Welcome back in listeners to another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a very special guest on our show today. Joining us, we have the creator of the new show, Beasties, a sci-fi rock opera, Gary Summers. You can now listen to Act 1 of the concept album, wherever you get your music from, and Act 2 and the full album's coming out very soon, early this summer, so that you can listen to the entire soundtrack, or a concept album, I suppose, of Beasties, a sci-fi rock opera. But let's go ahead and get to our guest. Gary, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you for joining us. Aloha. Thanks for having me. Aloha, everybody who's listening. I am so excited to have you on. You are a well-known personality throughout several communities, whether it be Antiques Roadshow or Comic-Cons or or expos that you've put on. But today, today we are talking about the show you've created, Beasties, a sci-fi rock opera. Could you tell us a little bit about the show? Well, the show is a story about a couple of hours in Central Park when a new band who has been on the road for 25 years, finally has a hit record on the charts. And a concert promoter offers the band an opportunity to perform in the Sheep Meadow, a free concert. He's going to promote it for them. And hundreds of thousands of people show up. But also, an alien shows up and infuses the inside of a stagehand who happens to be working the show who, like the band, has been in the business for 25-plus years and has the opportunity to be sitting on the stage. When he's infused by an alien, a kind of a schizophrenic mind-control situation happens, and he becomes part of the concert. Mind melds with the band and the audience and creates an immersive experience where this alien impulse is able to show humanity the good and the bad beasties within everyone and that everyone's perspective is different. And when you see a bad beastie, you can recognize it or not. When you see a good beastie, you can recognize it or not. And so the whole show is all about the fact that the promoter sold a sponsorship to the evil Dick Trader the corporate tycoon who wants to become president of the world and wants to take over. And so it becomes a battle between good and evil in the sense that love and kindness is better than greed and hate. So with music, song, dance, and immersive projections, we tell the story of the beasties helping save humanity. I love that. That sounds amazing. How did you come up with the idea for this show? Well, you know, I've been writing songs since I was in my teens. And back in the 1980s, yes, kids, that's the 20th century. Back in the 1980s and 70s, I was performing and playing and writing songs. But what I found out was showbiz is great. It would be great to be paid to do it, but it doesn't pay. Best thing you could do is have 42 side hustles. My side hustle was, of course, buying and selling collectibles. I I was a hustler in records and toys and pop culture and got to know the value of 100,000 useless objects. It worked because I could buy and sell stuff, paying my bills and being able to 
be in a band, play music, but also promote concerts. I was a booking agent. I published a fan kind of a publication for the music business in Madison, Wisconsin. And when I got to be a big fish in a small pond, I moved to Boston and got to be a big fish in a big pond by working and producing over a thousand concerts in the area and working with all the greats, got to know all the great musicians and people in the business. So I had this understanding of what it's like to be that guy working for 25 or 50 years, trying to make it in the business and getting a hit single. Although and getting that concert opportunity. So the whole story is written from a first person perspective. In each perspective, I was the lead singer in the show, but I'm also the stagehand roadie infused by an alien, but I'm also the villain who wanted to corporately take over and understand all of that. So this, all of this evolved at the time when all of a sudden the largest narcissist in the world became president of the United States for some fluke, even though that narcissist did not win the popular vote, did not win. And here, a week before the inauguration of Dick Trader to be president of our United States, I was in a fit of deep depression. And in that week, I wrote eight songs crafted the whole show together, put the show in show order, songs all in show order, and wrote the three novels in about seven days. So I kind of like created a universe in seven days, tapping into the depths of the, what I consider the real universe and, and channeling it all through me. And when I was done, I had to decide, was this a turd I should polish? Or, or is this really something that I think is incredible? Luckily, I had a very dear friend, a Tony-winning producer, Vivek Tiwari, and I asked him, Vivek, is this a turd? He goes, no, this is not a turd. Get to polishing. So I've been polishing it ever since. And at this point, I'm very happy with its success that it is now got the cast concept released. We're working on the script for the stage show. We have great singers that want to participate and great musicians. So the next step is crafting the stage show, taking it out on a concert tour and landing on Broadway or off Broadway as soon as we can. Now you mentioned novels with this show. Could you touch a little bit more on those? Sure. So I wrote these three books from the different perspectives of the lead characters. The first book that was released is called the book of gray and gray is the roadie who was you know 25 years working all the shows wanted to be a lead singer after 25 years of trying to be a lead singer you know had got close toured an opening act really had a great voice and really got you know close but never made it to that next level became a road manager and a tour manager and a stage manager, knew how to do everything, including sing. The second book, which is coming out in a few weeks, is called The Book of Impulse. Now, impulse is a being from another place. So what is, where does the impulse come from for any human to be good or evil? Where does that impulse come from? Is it knowledge? Does it come from external, you know, other people around you influencing you? Or could an impulse come from the farthest reaches of the universe and impact you? And then all of a sudden you have within you 
another being that's telling you what to do or taking control of your body and making you do things. Now, there's good and bad impulses, right? In this case, an impulse was sent to the planet from the brain of the giant being that controls us and puts in that being, that impulse, the ability to communicate to the humanity to teach people how to see their beasties, the good ones and the bad ones, and how to save the planet from climate destruction and corporate corruption. So big message, small little being, and these are explained in each of the books. So in the second book, it explains how impulse infuses himself with gray. In the gray book, it's how impulse infuses itself in gray from gray's perspective. So is gray hallucinating? Did somebody dose him? What's going on? No, he's got an impulse. And the impulse then in the next book explains how he got there, how it got there. We don't know. Pronouns? No idea. It's an impulse. The third book, which will come out, is the book of voice. Now, voice is the lead singer of the band that has this hit record who has struggled for years and years to make it in the business with a good soul, telling good messages, singing great songs, and being the kind person with the great message. So the reason Impulse comes to this stage in Central Park at this time is because all the ducks are lined up in a row. It's voice, this pure, honest, hardworking human who really has kindness and hope in his heart and is trying to project that on the the audience versus Dick Trader, <laughs> the corporate corruption, climate destroying narcissist who wants to take it all for money. And Impulse is the message deliverer. I love all that. And and there's going to be more if I remember right, right? I hope, I hope so. Eventually, see, there's a female in this. Her name is Tara. And Tara is the love interest of voice. They had a great relationship, and she was the one that turned him to being hopeful about saving the planet. She's the voice of the planet. Her name is Terra. Unfortunately, Impulse gets confused and thinks she's Terra Firma. And so he's trying to save the planet and falls in love with Terra at the same time, voices in love with Terra. And a lot of the love story plays out between the two love stories the love of Earth by the universe and the love of Terra by voice, hmm. the human love versus the universal love or equal to the universal love. So yeah, there's a other perspectives. Terra's perspective will come through the perspective of the promoter who put on that show that got duped by Dick Trader, the perspective of Dick Trader himself, who will tell you even he, that he didn't do anything wrong and that it was the perfect concert, you know? And so We'll see how that one goes. I don't know if I can write that properly. <laughs> Might be biased. Um, <laughs> well, what is the message or thought you're hoping that audiences will take away from your show? Well, that the way to kind of defeat the bad beasties like narcissism and anger and hate and greed is with hope and kindness and love. And, you know... By showing people how their love exists and how their hope exists and how their kindness can exist in music and in theatrics and projections, creating an immersive experience where they can feel the love, they can feel the hate and showing them the difference and letting them see it and then sending them out with the message that 
You are the purveyor of love. You are the purveyor of hope. You are the purveyor of kindness. So choose that as opposed to choosing the opposite. I love that. And, and, and what a message we need now more than ever. Absolutely. And it's delivered by a bunch of old guys. See, this is the key to, to, to one of these things is where do you get that perspective if you haven't lived it? So, you know, young people have no idea that they, and when I was young, I had no idea. I mean, many people don't is how all of that happens. But now you, you reach this age and I'm 70 now. Most of the singers in this show are in the 65 to 80 years old. Dick Traders performed by Chris Farlow, the legendary English rock singer. He's 83 and he's still on the road touring as a singer. Think about how hard that is. He had a hit in 1966 worldwide. And ever since then, he's been on the road touring. So his perspective is pretty massive of time and space and people. So you got that plus Barrett's Whitfield, who's a great African-American soul singer here in Boston. Soul Shouter, one of the greatest rock and roll singers, sang with the Savages, got like 10 or 15 albums out. And he's been around and touring still at 66. And the third lead in it is Dave Bickler, voice of Eye of the Tiger, sang Oscar-nominated, Grammy-winning vocalist. Also, same experience, same perspective. We've been doing this for years. What's the deal? <laughs> you know, and, and we all believe that we're being shelved as old people because we're old people, therefore not relevant, you know? But old people buy tickets to, to uh, Broadway, truly. The older generation, that's why jukebox musicals work for certain generations. People will go back and go back and bring their kids and bring their, their grandkids to see a jukebox musical about something that made them feel good. We're not we're the jukebox musical that of songs that you didn't know exist because they didn't. I like that. Well, my final question for the first part of the interview is who do you hope have access to your show? Who do I hope has access? Mm -hmm. I would like everybody in the world to, to be reached. And so it's funny because in the show itself, here is each night, it's a concert, but the band on stage is meant to feel like they're looking out at an audience of a quarter million people in the Sheep Meadow. And every one of those people has a cell phone up recording it, which is the most annoying thing about any concert these days. <clears throat> but it's the way that impulse can reach the whole global marketplace in one two hour concert, because now the world is tuned in. You know, if there's a quarter million people in Sheep Meadow, you know, just having the greatest time, all beaming it out to their social media, to their global network. Now, impulse, this messenger can then transmit the message through the music, through all the media, through all the people, tell the story, and then it's a global change, not just a, you know, global change. shift gears now and give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better 
I want to start by asking you what composers, playwrights, or shows have inspired you or are some of the some of the ones that you love? Well, I grew up on Gilbert and Sullivan when I was a child. My dad loved Gilbert and Sullivan. He played it all the time. I learned comedy and I learned patter and I learned how to tell a story and lyrics from Gilbert and Sullivan. The comedy is phenomenal. So it, that's what took me. So again, after... Having that in my family, my mom always played show tunes and we got, we went to see all the musicals at the movie theater. So my mom loved that. And my dad was Gilbert and Sullivan. So it was a house full of music. And I discovered popular music when I was like seven years old that, you know, the Battle of New Orleans was being played on the radio. And I'm, oh, that sounds good. Bought my first record when I was eight. So I kind of like thought that I was discovering things and enjoyed that like everybody else. The Beatles affected everything, and I was incredibly influenced by the Beatles, but more so I was more influenced by Bob Dylan, whose lyrics were more Gilbert and Sullivan than the Beatles, although John Lennon wrote Gilbert and Sullivan-style lyrics a lot. So if you kind of follow that path, you'd see that there was a lot of British musicians and composers that were following in the path of the Savoy Arch. It was, you know in their lyrics and in their patter and their, and their tempos and, and, you know, Queen right there. You know, if you listen to all kinds of Queen stuff, you're going to hear Gilbert and Sullivan throughout the whole thing. So over the generations, Gilbert and Sullivan have influenced people a lot. I, you know, so I have a lot of that influence and then Dylan with the, the current lyrics. What, what can we say about society right now that matter? Why should we say anything? It doesn't matter. You know, it's like, Oh, good point. So I started writing lyrics that matter and songs that mattered. So I really am not, not good at silly love songs. I just couldn't get it, <laughs> you know, cute maybe, but it had to say something and, and be something. So I guess if you count the Marx Brothers and Frank Zappa, the Velvet Underground and the Who, that's sort of my musical thing. You know, if you could play a harp on it, bang the piano like Chico and add every element that Frank Zappa put in to make it unique. That to me is what has gotten me to being able to write a show like this with the amount of different musical styles in the show that all create a feeling of nostalgia and happiness and, and, you know, a good feeling message. I love that. And some really phenomenal artists you've named really phenomenal artists. Thank you. Being that you're in the Boston area, have you seen any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Unfortunately, no, I don't really get out. I produce six large conventions a year. So between producing the events, Atomic Con, Music Con, I do a Music Con coming up um, at the at the first weekend of July. And my Music Con is, it, I do get, you know, Broadway talent there. We had Rex Smith there last year. This year we have Mickey Dolans from the Monkees and Pippin, you know, great guy. And many other music celebrities and mus music vendors. So I really don't get out to shows that much. I try and bring them into me. Last October, I wanted to see this show that was off Broadway, uh, Cannabis, a Viper Vaudeville, that I watched the video online and went, wow, these guys are great. So I hired them, brought them up to my cannabis convention and produced them on stage at, at my uh, in my ballroom. 
and they were fabulous. So, I mean, I'm sorry if you missed it, but they were great. And so that's, I, I think the last real show I got to go to was Jagged Little Pill premiere night at the ART in Boston, you know, and that was like, wow, you know. Yeah, that was a wonderful show. And her Alanis Morissette's music, let's be real, that album is timeless. What's your favorite part about working in the theater? Gee, Williker, see, I'm a producer. I like producing things. Like, I like to take an empty space, and then by the end of 24 hours, there's now 100 vendors, 20 celebrities, a stage, bands, comedians, and then two days later, it's empty again. Poof. Having produced over a thousand concerts and over 300 co comic cons, it's kind of like that's my art. I really like to look in an empty space and say, I can fill that. And our motto is it's guaranteed, not boring and free parking. So if you can't get both in the same place, what fun is it? So I really feel that that's why doing this in the theater, this is my Again, I've had many acts in my life. I've been a TV star and I've been a concert promoter and producer and I've been a publicist. I mean, a, a publisher and I've done so many different things that this week I'm doing this. And so I, I have like right now I have five more conventions this year. I'm producing each one weekend long events and I can do my art. And on the side, I'm hustling this project to get it to fruition so maybe by the end of this year we're able to produce a live show somewhere and stage the thing but you know we could stage a concert easily but staging an immersive experience is what i'm more interested in doing i think that that's the goal here is to create this immersive environment that lets the perspective of each audience member understand the big giant global message that's really important right now so i have a great technical director who can create anything video you know with all the video walls and projections and new technology great audio great lighting i've got all that we're just now crafting how are we going to tell the story how are we going to put that immersive experience in a theater it's all going to all of our our entire sets are in a hard drive with projectors you wow. don't have to build anything. It's just a flat stage with a couple of platforms. Platform for the drummer, platform for the keyboards, platform for the dick for Dick Trader, and everything else is projections and video walls. And it, it's just gonna be mind blowing. That's amazing. So as our regular listeners know, we've now come to my favorite question, which is what is your favorite theater memory? Seriously? That I'll tell you. Hair. So when Hair came out, my parents took me to see Hair at the Mill Run Theater in, in Niles, Illinois, where we were living nearby. And it was interesting because they did the show, nude and everything, you know, and I was like, I think 16 or something. And I thought it was great. That year, our high school decided to, to do Hair for, the, for us as a theater group. So I joined the Hair cast. And I auditioned for Hair in Chicago for the, 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 the big show. Didn't get it. You know, they didn't want to hear a Bob Dylan song. So, oh, well. But anyway, it was very much influenced me. I mean, the, the message of Hair about people like me, and I'm still that guy. I'm still that hippie. I'm still that free spirit that believes that, you know, anything's possible and that, 
we can overcome, you know, the, the oppressors. And so here I sit, you know, 55 years later, 54 years later, going, yeah, my turn. Let's see if we can make this message be as influential as hair was at its time, because it did change a lot of things. I mean, to me, the next one was Rocky Horror. And I, you know, because it did change a lot of things, uh, you know, after that, you know, several other major shows impacted change in both theater and, and society like Rent and place shows like that and Avenue Q and of course, you know, Hamilton showing that you can do something completely different that sounds current or nostalgic and it'd be popular and and tell a great story give good message you know that's what we're trying to do i love all that well thank you so much for sharing that memory that was amazing are there any other productions or projects you have coming on the pipeline we might be able to plug i know you mentioned some of these cons and expos you've got coming yeah, I do the Northeast Comic Con and Collectibles Extravaganzas in Boxborough, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. Guaranteed not boring and free parking. Music Con is, Janu- is June 30, July 1 and 2. You can get information on all the shows at necomiccons.com. I have a cannabis con- convention coming up in September. I have a Wizard Fest coming up in August with real wizards and literary wizards. And I'm serious. So I've got the mentalist, John Stetson, magicians, uh, Chris Rankin from Harry Potter, who does West End and uh, who's also a, you know, a theater kid. Uh, he'll be there. He sings at our shows. At all of our shows, we have karaoke with the stars where you can actually sing with a star on stage and video self, video yourself or somebody can video you singing with the stars. We've had great great talent on stage at our shows go to our website if you're interested in in the boston area or new england area i'll be appearing at the chiller theater show in new jersey but that's coming up april the last weekend of april but i've been appearing at that show since he started it back in 1990 kevin clement who produces that show creator of that show is a longtime friend of mine and back in 1980 he owned a record store in new jersey I owned a record store in Madison, Wisconsin, and we didn't have social media. We had a magazine called Goldmine, and everybody could read Goldmine, and you could do business through Goldmine Magazine. Well, I put an ad in Goldmine for my first record in 1980, and he ordered them for his store. Now, this is 10 years before we actually started hanging out, but it's just great. The interesting thing about that record is on that record is the first recorded appearance by a guy named Butch Vig. And Butch became the producer of Nirvana, Nevermind, Smashing Pumpkins, Foo Fighters, and is the drummer in Garbage. So Butch started out in Madison with a band called Spooner. It was him and Doug Erickson Duke from Garbage. And we were all, you know, working in the same scene. So funny part is, is that I... One of the songs from, or actually three of the songs from Beasties originated in the 80s, early 80s, like 1979, 80, 81, in Madison with the gang, all these people. So we used to perform those three songs uh, at the shows and everybody. So that was kind of like my saying, you know, this is real. This is a true story. 
And it started 40 something years ago and it's still going on. So it never ends. And so I've had that kind of career. So I'm going to chiller this time with my new book, with the new CD. And Kevin's going to be thrilled because he's promoted me because he loves dinosaur rock and he loves beasties. So I'm very lucky to have friends like that. So cool. Final question is, if our listeners want more information about Beasties, a sci-fi rock opera, or about you, they maybe want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Well, they have this internet-y thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, you kids, but uh, the internet has everything, and the great God Google knows all the answers. <laughs> but anyway, if you go to BeastiesRockOpera.com, or you can go to our um, Facebook page at, uh, you know, Facebook slash Beasties Rock Opera. You can go and find Gary Summers, S-O-H-M-E-R-S dot com. And it's got stuff about the Antiques Roadshow appearances I made and the fact that I buy and sell antiques and collectibles and comic books and record albums and toys. And I know the value of 100,000 useless objects. So I can help you with that stuff, too. So, again, right now, Beasties Rock Opera Act One is available on Spotify and on Bandcamp and Pandora and every other thing except for Apple iTunes. So so please listen to Beasties Rock Opera. Let me know if you want to buy a book. I sell signed copies of the book. If you want, you can email me through GarySummers.com or through any of the any of the show infos. Wonderful. Gary, it has been an honor and an absolute joy talking with you. I appreciate everything that you've shared. I can't wait to have you back on when we now when we hear there's an official you know date and everything for BC's a sci-fi rock opera because I, I'm sure it's going to get picked up soon and there's going to be a full-fledged production. So I hope you get so a chance much. to listen to it all and watch the videos on YouTube. There's videos for most of the songs already on YouTube that'll show you some of the storyline. And the animated characters. Poof. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really, really excited about this. So thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Happy to be with you. Kids, stay groovy. My guest today has been the creator, Gary Summers, whose new show, Beasties, a sci-fi rock opera, is coming up soon. It's going to be in a full-fledged production very soon. But for right now, you can listen to Act One of the concept album, Anywhere you listen to music, with the exception of Apple Music, but check out Spotify or Pandora and Act 2 of the concept album, the, and then the full album is going to be coming out very soon, early in the summer. So make sure you stay tuned for that. You can also get more information about the show and about Gary by visiting BeastiesRockOpera.com or GarySummers.com. And we're going to have all that information posted on our social media as well as on our episode description. But for right now, rush over, read about, watch about, and listen to Beasties, a sci-fi rock opera. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. Okay.
If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs>